Welcome to Get the Facts Jack, a weekly podcast from Jack County, Texas, sharing factual information to the citizens of Jack County. I'm your host, Judge Brian Keith Humphreys, and to my right, none other than Frank Hefner. He is our Jack County Emergency Management Coordinator and our IT Director. I put my glasses on and I, I didn't I goof it up. You did, did not you goof it up this time. I saw that. I, I'm telling aren't you, you. Aren't you proud of me? You, <laughs> you know, got, so, you got the whole reading right. At least you read it. Yeah, you I know, did, I did. Well, see, and I can't go off memory because then I'll mess it up and goof it up. And then I was talking to my wife and my kids, and they're like, "Dad, you do that on purpose." And I was like, "No, I, I, I truly don't." I, and they're like, "You got to quit doing it. Just, just be normal. Don't be goofy." And my my wife and my kids are my biggest critics. Well, they're they're good at making sure that you're you're in line. They bring you know? me back down. They just kind of like <laughs> they keep my feet sol- upon solid ground. Right? Well, you hear the last few weeks we haven't we haven't oh, we probably gosh. had a lot of critics and family doesn't even touch the, yeah. the hem of the garment on that one. You know the hits just keep on coming, don't they? It's yeah, like but, you know we've had you know here we are we're our we're a month past, a uh, month out from the tornado that mm-hmm. struck Jacksboro. We thought it was very appropriate for us to come and talk about um, some things. And I, and we're going to, I'll make this commitment to you, Frank. We're going to have more and more podcasts because the whole reason why we did this to get factual information to our lits, listeners, and I want to tickle this subject, we are, we are moving forward with a long-range team, a long-term mm-hmm. recovery team, and those individuals are being identified. We've already had multiple meetings behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And we, our goal is to put together a long-range team that will direct the recovery efforts for Jacksboro and Jack County over the next two to four years. And their, their, one of their responsibilities will be is to seek out and draw in outside funds to help us with our rebuilding plans. Plans, yes, sir. You know, and you go back, and I know on our listeners, we've had, you know, probably a long period of time we haven't had a chance to do a podcast. Um, no one excuse after another, but just business, business, business of the office. Let me just say that took took time. and uh, But with that in mind, um, even a month out from where we're at today, in, in regards to uh, the event that is the disaster that hit our area, um, it's great that we can now set back and have a conversation about the group of people we're looking at at helping with this long-term recovery. And then return, you see the results that's going to unfold from this, and it's going to make us better. And, um, and people... As, as we've talked to them, you've, they've come through your office. I've visited with them out in the streets. People have a, a, a wonderful outcome out of the disaster that we have faced. It and is. it's, um, um, you know, it's like that old saying, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna rise from the rubble Correct. and come out better with it. And we have. And I, it's amazing to see how our community has come together in a very short period of time and all of our outside supporters, whether it's through Texas Department of Emergency Management, whether it's through FEMA, whether it's from the United um, Methodist uh, Committee on Recovery or all these other support organizations from the Red Cross, United Way, from Lowe's, from Home Depot, from 
you know, even igloo coolers making those donations. Uh, you know, our recovery center out there at the fair barn, uh, every individual that's come to give us support that has come, uh, you know, has said, you are months ahead oh, yeah. of any other community because of the spirit that dwells within us. Sure. And, um, and, and a lot of that's our leadership. And so, um, I, you know, whenever I was talking to the governor, the governor Abbott was here with Chief Kidd, and he said, uh, uh, you know, I said, Governor, I said, I really don't want to say anything positive came out of COVID, but what came out of COVID for our community is our leadership came together. And I think one of the biggest takeaways was our leadership team has been working over the last two years unifying our community during this time of COVID and that truly prepared us, and it allowed us to respond quicker and unified is the word mm-hmm. I like to use. Um, so really, you know. I was talking to a guy yesterday and just called and checked on him and, and seeing how he was doing. He was part of our uh, our COVID team. The you dream know, team. The dream team. And just checking on him, and, and uh, not to mention names, but um, um, he's retired now. And but in regards to that, as we were conversating and talking, do you ever really get to re- retire? <laughs> he wasn't, <laughs> yeah. but uh, but anyway, you know, we made that statement about you know how that everything just worked together, and I said, you know, you don't know how well a a, a work glove fits until it's been used previous times, Amen. and you don't have Amen. to put that thing together. All the fingers know what to do when the glove goes together. That's right, and that's exactly what happened on this situation. <laughs> that's a great analogy. I really like that. So, well, one of the things that we quickly identified during. Well, it was within hours of the storm was we we wanted to provide assistance not only for our leadership but also for our community when it comes to mental health. And we knew that this was going to be a very important subject to address. And it's not a pleasant – nobody really wants to talk (laughs) about mental health, right? I mean, but we have two experts here today, Andy Martin and Rebecca Spurlock – and they are from the Helen Fairby Center, and uh, they they provide, and they were so gracious, and immediately <laughs> sent a team down to to support yep. our leadership, our individuals that was in command, and then also, uh, you know, as we go into a recovery task or into a recovery mode, um, we we are. Um, <laughs> you know, we're going to have to provide the support to our community. Mm -hmm. And so, Andy, how in the world did you get involved with Helen Fairby Center? And and how did, did you just wake up one morning and decided I wanted to, uh, how how did you get involved in (laughs) mental health? I mean, how does that even work, man? Well, it's a long story. Um, Not really. (laughs) When I was trying to decide after graduate school or or after sorry the my first degree what to go into it was kind of a toss up between uh some form of seminary or mental health and so i decided mental health and 100% of the reason is not the bob newhart show but that's part of it oh yeah hey bob yeah yeah <laughs> he was a psychiatrist wasn't yeah, he yeah he was a psychologist yeah. and psychologist uh, i don't know that was just funny i could see myself doing that kind of stuff yeah yeah so and you know what? Thinking of back in the '70s and the '80s, you know, mental health has changed a lot. Um, mm-hmm. You know, thinking back, I I love the Bob Newhart show, 
but it really didn't go too deep into the mental health part. It was more of a comedy. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, but but that still provided an inspiration, and it encouraged you to go into that field. And so that's right. It it touched on things that we. The show made funny, but everybody who watches the show and finds it interesting or shows like that is because they know there's something deeper and they can also see that thing in themselves. Mm-hmm. So it becomes interesting yeah. as well as funny. So you know that we've been through one of the first things we talked about, Andy, was um, I was really concerned about our leadership. Um, there was a tremendous amount of pressure following the tornadoes. Um, we were orchestrating the different uh, and, uh, you know, uh, managing the different responses and the teams that were coming in to support our community following the, the tornado. And and people can only handle that, that much pressure for so long. And immediately I began worrying about not only myself, but also for Frank and our, our chief of police, our, our city manager, our, you know, our our chief of, of the fire department, and then all the responsibility and pressure that was coming down upon them. And plus, a lot of these individuals experience loss in their own homes or in their own families, but then they have a leadership role. And so I could, I could just, I just knew we had to address this at some point. But those are normal emotions, and those, those feelings are normal, are they not? Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> regardless of what um, how you faced the disaster and what part you played whether you were just uh, a person who lost a home or if you had additional responsibilities trying to help those who've lost a home or you had that responsibility plus you've lost your own home you know things like that uh, these things build up but but what is true for all of us uh, as humans is that we have some reactions that are completely expected and normal and some may feel the temptation to suppress those or push it down to not feel it or show it because the thought is it's wrong I don't want people to see it but in actuality it is all normal um, and if we don't just let those things go a bit and and come out it's like a steam system some pressure has to be released or else it builds up and it comes out in ways that you didn't predict it's not healthy right so some of the common things um reactions feelings uh are anxiety and worry about what's happened even getting angry because of what's happened um having recurrent thoughts um, about what you've seen and experienced um people also characterize their behavior during a disaster in either a good or bad way. So they think about what they did or they think about what they did not do and they can, you know, potentially beat themselves up because they should have done more or, you know, things like that. And that's what I saw in some of the leadership. Um, You know, uh, we're, matter of fact, next week, we're going to come together as a command staff and those that, that were supporting those efforts, we're going to have a debriefing. And I want you to know, as I've prepared for that meeting, I've mentally beat myself up of things I could have done better. And I've heard other leaders in our community. And, of course, we're humans, and so we also hear what's going on in social media. We also hear what people criticize our efforts, and they 
And, and that affects us as well. Plus, we've seen our community that we love destroyed and people's lives that we see destroyed and their homes destroyed. So one of the reasons why we wanted y'all part of our um, podcast today is to make sure people understand these are very normal reactions. Yeah, they're normal, and they're they're also unique to each person. And, and what that means is uh, one, one person may look at it as something they can push through and overcome, and, and that attitude does help. Others uh, could see it as, this is the end of the world, I feel defeated. That's also a normal reaction to a very abnormal, you know, natural event. So the thing there is try not to judge another person based on how they're responding. You know, one responds with sadness, Mm -hmm. the other with anger, with worry, with frustration. Um, All these things are just common reactions, you know. Rebecca, you have a close personal connection to our community. So your uncle is our sheriff. Correct. And so you are Tom Spurlock's niece. And so I got to ask you, how in the world did you get into the mental health game? How did... Did you just wake up one morning, or were you watching the Bob Newhart show as well, and just go, man, hey, Bob? Doubt it. I really like the drinking game with hey, Bob. Just she's, she's pretty young. I'm not for sure Bob Newhart was even on yeah. the TV. I'm familiar, but. Yeah. Are I'm, you? Her response was, is, who's, who's Bob? Bob? Yeah. yeah, who's Bob Newhart? Is that is that on TV land? <laughs> how, did you, how did you do this? I mean, how do you even, it? how, how does that desire just, come out well you know I went to college over I started at Abilene Christian excuse me and so whenever I started over there I was actually going to do physical therapy and then I started taking some psychology classes and honestly it just went from there and so it just kind of stuck within my I think it was my second semester I was like you know this is something I really want to do so I've never changed course since then so it is it has to be a passion to do that one of the things and as y'all know we had an elementary school that was, um, we had, I don't know what was the number. I've been saying 500. I think that's probably a little bit high, I think, now that I've stepped back. But anyway, our elementary school was full, and it was at the time of the release. And we had, if you've ever been in the in the line, you know, the pickup line, so to speak, you know that it's once you're in there, you can't get out. And that, the tornado struck our elementary school at the time of the afternoon um, pickup for the release of our students and our um, superintendent and then our principal Michael Qualls you know had to act quickly but then we've got children and parents in that safe hallway and by the grace of God there was no injuries but my thinking is is how do parents that are listening it to us they're dealing with the emotions of possibly losing things or loss of jobs or destructions of their vehicles or house or whatever how do how do parents deal with the the kids at the elementary school that actually experienced the devastation of the tornado how do they respond to that yeah there's a you know we're talking about self-care taking care of yourself but there's also a, a vulnerable population and that's our kids that we have to watch out for especially during something like that so um <clears throat> the best way to do that, I think, is just to make sure that you're with your kids, that they know that they're protected, especially right after something's happened. Um, 
even teenagers, you know, like I have a couple of teenagers, and in normal situations, they want to be in their room alone. But I think they also know that we're nearby, especially after a disaster that becomes more important. So regardless of the age, uh, but especially for the kids, the small ones, don't leave them alone, keep them around. And just know that they're more likely to be uh, re-traumatized through things that they see through social media, you know, after something happens, stuff they see on TV, stories. You know, adults may want to sit around and, and talk about the stories of what happened or what they saw. Just be aware that a small kid hearing that, having gone through it, that's not such a fun experience. You know, they start to relive it a bit. You know? Right. Oh, I heard stories of the association of the kids. Now, obviously, the damage was substantial to our elementary school. And school, the leadership said, hey, guys, we've got to return to something that is that is a sense of normalcy. And so they did a, an amazing job of identifying, uh, you know, our First Baptist Church, our Masonic Lodge, our parish, uh, another church, to um, to go ahead and go on with schools. Because I know a lot of people said, well, obviously, I guess we won't have school for the rest of the year. And, and our community said, no, we must return back to that sense of structure because our kids needed that. Mm-hmm. And I think that went along with the mental health. But then what I was beginning to hear, hear was is they associated school with a storm, and will that happen again? And we just recently returned back to a portion of the elementary school, and I, I, my heart breaks for those kids to have to go back where they probably had some difficult memories. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, the decision to get – kids back in school it absolutely was the right thing it's like if you're in a car accident and you don't want to get it behind the wheel again uh, because of that event the longer you wait the harder it is to get going again it's the same thing it's a great point. so <clears throat> yeah um when when any of us go through a, a, a disaster like that our brains as, as human animals are designed to make connections between where we are what we are seeing, smelling, hearing, all of that, experiencing. And then later on, after the disaster has passed, when those little elements, those sights and sounds and even smells come up again or the the location where you were, it triggers something in our brain. And that's designed to keep us safe, right? So that's a normal thing to have those you know, mild reactions when you're back in a school or back at a workplace that was hit or in your home. Um, The important thing, though, is to keep exposing yourself to those normal sights and sounds and locations in little doses, you know, at first, and then just keep at it. And that sort of desensitizes you to to that trauma trigger stuff. You know, um, yesterday I went by the uh, one of our schools to visit with them, and you could hear the kids out playing in the playground. That's good. And, um, you know, them just having a good time. Now, it wasn't their normal playground because their normal playground wasn't there anymore. But they had a makeshift playground just, you know, off to the side that was a little bit bigger. But, you know, hearing those kids, you sit back and you hear them, and they're having just as much fun in that makeshift playground than what they were having, you know, probably in their their regular one. Yeah. And it's it was kind of refreshing to hear that and off – off to the side, you could see the scars of a of a damaged storm. 
but yet you can also watch the healing because there's already been tarps that's put up or something that's been put on those walls to close those walls back in for the healing process to start taking place. And, you know, it's just a cleanup process, but it was, it was interesting as I went by there hearing the laughter, hearing the fun and the life put back in the building that was there prior to the situation. I tell you, one of the things that healed my heart and that was that was part of the, the first initial recoveries for my mental health was whenever um, the kids from the, uh, it's, of course, it's just right across the street from the courthouse, but we had Kona Ice that came down for a special treat, and we had many other churches and different organizations that were providing meals for all the volunteers that were coming to our community, but Kona Ice came on a, I believe it was a Friday afternoon, mm-hmm. and it was a beautiful day. And our courthouse lawn was filled with the students of the elementary school. And it was the laughter. It was the, it was returning back to normalcy. And the kids were eating the Kona Ice, which is basically just a snow cone. And they were playing, and the parent and the, the teachers were interacting. They were laughing other and and then i saw other individuals that also were drawn to the laughter of the children and sometimes the children return faster than the adults do yeah kids are are resilient and it's like if they have a i had a one of my kids broke her leg when she was small and what i learned was they can recover quicker than an adult you know and you wonder how a little kid can fall every 5 seconds when learning how to walk they're really bendy, you know, as kids. Yeah, they are. It's the same mentally. They have the capacity to bounce back, and they haven't formed those sort of hardwired thought processes that adults have, that when something goes wrong, it's hard for them to cope and change the way they think. A kid, as they develop, they're used to, to changing the way that they think. They have to do that to learn new things. So this is this is one of the things that help them cope with a thing like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, if we are feeling overwhelmed, um, what, it, what are some of the first things that we should do? I mean, obviously, I'm just going to speak for myself and to speak for the other leaders. You know, I'll tell you, most people, especially men, the head of their family, are not comfortable saying, well, I'm going to go seek counseling mm-hmm. or psychiatric or a talk to a psychiatrist, a psychologist, it is that first step is extremely difficult. We can't even ask for directions. Well, we can't. You know, and nor, and nor do we follow, follow the directions. directions. That's right. Much less ask for. Yes, sir. But so, it's it's a true statement. I mean, when we're know, lost, we're lost. You know, and we kind of experienced that. We, yeah. you reacted so quickly. You brought a team down, and we had. You know, of course, I can have the greatest ideas in the world, but here's what really happens: we brought a team down of counselors and and you anticipated this and you kind of said hey judge let me tell you probably what's going to happen nobody's going to really want to talk to us because it's hard but now that the dust has settled and now that we are returning back to a sense of normalcy we're getting into a rhythm we've adapted to some extent mm-hmm. we still have people that are in hotel rooms we have people that have been absorbed into other family structures and you know after two to three days being in someone else's home you've kind of overextended Mm -hmm. your welcome and 
So I know that now this anxiety, this uncomfortableness, I think we are probably going to experience some individuals that are going through mental health crisis. And so what would be your recommendation of where, where do you go first? Yeah, I think where most people go first, if, if they're going to go somewhere, is to talk to their peers, you know, their friends uh, the, or the people they work with who are also dealing with some of these issues. And that's uh, particularly true, I think, for the first responder group. Um, they might not want to talk to me, a mental health professional who doesn't do their job every day, but they could talk to someone else who does that same job, who's been you know, seeing the things that they've seen, and they can share some experiences. And I think that's where it starts. Um, they may not want to burden their their family with these things, uh, and other folks may not want to do that either. But but that can be a helpful place to start. Is just simply share what you're thinking, how you're doing with somebody that you trust, whether that's family or your peer group, uh, coworkers, whatever it is. Um, we often always we often reach out to faith leaders that we trust, uh, and that can be helpful, uh, people at church, uh, for example. Um, uh, what happens here is, is that simply talking about it and, and letting somebody know what's going on, it helps you process you know, what you're dealing with. And that's the key there is to process something. It, it takes a little, little bit of effort to get it rolling on your part to open your mouth and say some stuff about what happened what you're thinking, what you're feeling, how you're doing. But that does end up helping a mm-hmm. tremendous amount. I noticed one of my first reactions was is that, um, like most first responders, we were immediately, we reacted to the scene. Mm-hmm. And we we do what we, we do. We react. We go into that rescue and recovery, and, and we're responding to an emergency. And, and that's what I did. And then I kind of took a step back and said, okay, now I got, I, we need to go stand a command center and we need to start orchestrating the other resources that are coming in. I mentally protected myself and my emotions by not returning back to the area that had received the devastation because emotionally I, and you go into a, a protection mode, you, you isolate off and you can only deal with so much. And then what I saw was I did not return back to that area for like three to four days, five days. And whenever I did, the emotions just, they were overwhelming. I mean, tears began to flow down from my eyes because I started connecting what I had heard and what I had been administering, um, sending resources into those areas, volunteer crews, debris, cleanup, these type of things. And then I started seeing homes that I knew the families and it became extremely, extremely personal. Mm -hmm. And so, but I also noticed our leadership in the command center would step away from time to time for a couple of hours. And I would hear other people that would go and say, Oh my goodness, we, we drove through this area and, and then emotionally they would have to deal with that. Mm -hmm. And so it was a, it was an extremely normal reaction and the first thing we began to do was talk about this. And and then now we were able to take the next step. So anyway, I think it was extremely it happened it happened to me personally and I know it happened to the other leaders in our community 
And I'll tell you this, to your point, we all dealt with it in very different ways. Sure. And, yeah, the you're right. The normal thing uh, following a disaster is to get in and, and make people safe and clean stuff up, whether you're a first responder or just the head of your household, you know, taking care of those things. You don't, you don't stop at that point and get in touch with your emotions. You know, you're dealing with things and fixing things and cleaning them up. But at some point, I don't know what that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at some point when that, <laughs> when that stuff is cleared up, uh, you, you still have things that have built up in your, in your thoughts and in your feelings, and it's a, a good thing to get those out. It will help. Yeah. So what's the next step? So we, we, we know we talk to our peers, we talk to faith leaders. Um, let's say that you know, let's say if I have somebody that's been through this, whether it's been through this disaster or through another loss of a, a family member or through a divorce or a coworker. So um, if we feel like that we see a progression, that things are beginning to get worse, what is what is your recommendation of of what if you do need to seek some professional assistance? What if you need to go talk to a counselor? What do we do? Well, I think the first way that you'd know that is if if you're having more than the common reactions that we talked about, the normal thoughts and feelings and uh, a, a bit of trouble dealing at first with things, when that stuff starts to make your everyday life harder. And it, at this point, we're a month o- away, you know, from that disaster. It's it's still not uncommon to have thoughts and feelings and some reoccurring imagery, even when you lay down at night and close your eyes and still see some things. Um, that's normal. When, when these kinds of things sort of intrude on your daily functioning, you can't do the things that you know you need to do or that you used to do, whether that's just around your house, with your family, or at work then that's a pretty big sign that you might need to take some extra steps to talk to somebody. And if these common reactions that we talked about are not only making your life harder, but they're persisting weeks and months after an event like that, then that's another indication you need to talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. So the way that you think you would do that is – Google it. Yeah. I mean, find counselors in your area. If you don't talk to a, a pastor or someone or a friend, uh, you know, there's only so much a friend can help you with because at some point it gets a little personal. Sure. And you need an objective person to, to look at that. So you want to reach out and find out who's in your area. And I think Rebecca could probably talk about locally who that would be. So in, in Graham, I know we only have one a uh, counselor that has um, definitely offered his uh, services, and that's Eric Roth. He works mainly through Wise Hope and uh, does a phenomenal job. And uh, but but there's other resources in the Graham area, and what would they be? Um, you can always obviously call our office, you know, over in Graham. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, there's also Graham Psychological Associates. It's located downtown near the courthouse there in Graham. And they have two married couples who, so there's a total of four that are accessible. Um, there's also a free trauma counseling resource locally um, that does cover Jack County called Affirming Texas Families. 
it is a very beneficial um, type service that I know people have done really well with. Um, they could also be accessible in any capacity, phone, video, face-to-face. And I think they have an office over here in Jacksboro. I've actually supported um, that organization with Affirming Texas Families, and I'm a huge fan. Um, actually, if I'm not mistaken, they have a website that it's anonymous, that if you know of somebody that's going through a crisis or that might need somebody to reach out to them, because that, that's the hard thing is to offer the help. And uh, one of the things that I've done is go to their website, and I've, I've put in an individual that probably I know personally that's going through some help, and, and they're trained counselors, and they, I don't think there's a cost for that, is there? There's not at all. No, they are, I believe they receive through different um, private funders and investor, you know, just individuals who want to just kind of help, usually through the community, different um, other agencies help. But yeah, you do not have to pay one single cent to go receive their services. And the counselor will contact them and just, and offer those services or set an appointment or visit with them. And, and we've even talked about that, you know, th- the one thing we did learn through COVID is, is that we can... Um, provide some of these services through, um, you know, the the telephone or through a Zoom conference hearing, or we can, we call it telepsych. But, you know, uh, where that was not a normal, uh, probably event, now I've noticed that there are apps on our iPhone that will allow us to communicate with a counselor and we can do it on a regular basis if we feel like we're going through some sort of an, of an anxiety or something, a trigger that another storm comes through or we have to deal with a death. And as you made a comment earlier today, that it's very normal for these other events to trigger some internal emotions that mm-hmm. are trying to make their way out. So um, tell me again the name of the group in Graham. Graham Psychological Associates. It's okay. Brandon and um, Carrie Bates and Brandon, Brian and Andrew Ray, excuse me. And Brian does come to Jacksboro to the clinic at least once a week Good. to provide services over here too in Jacksboro. Excellent. Excellent. So if we have a relationship with a family physician, um, is that is that normal just to go in and uh, I don't I don't know how comfortable I would be to talk to my doctor, but uh, maybe I guess well, is that another resource? Sure, and and especially nowadays, a lot of uh, family practice and clinics will start to ask you more mental health related questions. Uh, the other day, I had a physical, and they asked me uh, questions from a routine depression screening that we use at Helen Fairby Centers uh, ourselves. So they're they're also screening for that stuff. They're making sure that you have. Uh, transportation and food and those basic things, you know, but also whether you're dealing with any suicidal thoughts, uh, depression, anxiety. Uh, so they're geared now to assess for those things. And it's not uncommon at all, I think, for folks to start talking to someone at that point, that family physician, just to get some ideas of what they could do. And and that, that physician in office will definitely refer out, you know, to other professionals or some things they can handle themselves and prefer to do that. Yeah. I think this is extremely important, and I think it's critical that we we share factual information with the people of Jacksboro and Jack County and let them know what resources are available. And so 
Uh, guys, thank you so very much for coming in and sharing. Uh, it, it's a difficult subject. It's hard to talk about. And and uh, we, we kind of, I tell my people, we lead by example. And um, I told the leadership that they needed to uh, set that standard for other people within their department or within their, their organization that um, be conscientious of somebody that's struggling or having maybe they – I'll tell you something that, that I have learned over the last couple of years, that we need to take mental health days. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I probably – I don't know whether I really recognize that – but there's something that happens, and it doesn't have to be a full day. If you can just step away f- from a situation, then I found that that stress and that exa- anxiety kind of dissipates. It, it the level comes down. Yeah, your your our minds can only take so much stress. You mm-hmm. know, it, it has a chemical effect on our bodies, and I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to go into that. But it does, and. Um, you do need to take some time to step away, do things that are diverting, hobbies that you enjoy. Sure, even though something bad happened, it's important to get back into a routine, taking care of yourself, doing things that you found enjoyable before the thing happened. Get back into those things. Allow yourself the time to do it. It's okay. I agree. Very good. Andy Martin, Rebecca Spurlock, Helen Fairby Center, Thank you all very much for taking the time and coming and talking about this. Frank, thank you as well. Uh, Frank is my, um, you're my right-hand person, and you he has been probably my greatest source of sharing our feelings and emotions and expressing our anxiety over different things. So, Frank, I want to tell you thank you for listening and thank you for being there for me um, through, a, through a difficult yep. time. It has. Same here. Thank you, Rich. Love you, man. Love you too, brother. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Little bro love. That's great. (laughs)